Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. second series of this podcast focuses on business agility and it's sponsored by Emergence Journal. So welcome here Nick Gordy. He is the author of this Buka Masters book and my good agilist friend from business agility space. And my first question will be, what was the number one lesson you learned about yourself about agility? Uh, it's interesting. It does go back a number of years, uh, probably before a number of your listeners uh, on podcast were perhaps even born. Um, so it goes back uh, to um, even prior to uh, 9-11 you know, occurrence when I think uh, the big VUCA event happened uh, for me you know, in the U.S. But I'll just I'll deal with that for right now. Um, my, uh, my, my big experience in terms of agility, by the way, I'd been doing uh, work in and around agility uh, prior to 2001, actually uh, beginning in the late 1990s. Um, and again, uh, Agile Manifesto had not been written or signed at that point in time. And um, uh, my background is not in IT. My background is as an organizational psychologist and uh, my focus is primarily on human behavior. So my view of leadership agility and organizational agility is through the human, primarily through the human lens and the human aspect of that. With that said, 9-11 uh, occurred, uh, and I was at that time uh, a member of the executive team at an organization called the Center for Creative Leadership. And uh, for me, it was a uh, a, a, an important uh, event that really shook a lot of people up in terms of, of what now could be, I could define as a VUCA event, but it was a very, obviously a very emotional, very, um, very much of a, a disruptive event uh, for many of us, uh, really around the world, not just in the United States. So with that said, I'd been doing work in the whole uh, really trying to define agility, understand who else was writing about agility. And I found a bit in uh, McKinsey's work around nimbleness. The U.S. Army was writing some things about adaptability. And certainly things were beginning to get written uh, around agile methodology, et cetera, you know, during the, the early days and certainly in 2001. With all of that, I, and my background, and part of my background, as you know, Susie, is in special operations in the Navy. I spent 23 years in special operations. And for those of you that don't know that term, it really means I 
I spent my my entire career as a diver, so mostly you know deep deep diving um, and uh, doing other other kinds of things with explosives, et cetera. So it wasn't uh, uh, wasn't uh, uh, always uh, just purely diving. With all of that said, looking at 9-11, um, for me, I realized that uh, leaders and organizations really needed to have a better way to really uh, identify the disruptions. Uh, and at that time, the term VUCA was not being used as much other than in the army. But I was trying to find a model or a framework for uh, the disruptions and being able to deal with the disruptions. And so hence, I left the Center for Creative Leadership and started up Agility Consulting and Training. And uh, shortly thereafter, looking around and not finding the model for agility, I came up with my own. I created my own. It's referred to now as the Agile model, went through the US patent office and got a registered mark for that, but a, but a framework that, that could be utilized for leaders, individuals, teams, uh, and organizations to really use as a lens or a framework for describing what, what, is it, what are the kinds of behaviors that really are required or uh, characteristic of being agile, you know, whether you are uh, demonstrating agility at an individual level, at a team level, at an organizational level. And so hence the agile model, uh, then subsequent to that point in time, and I reflected back on my career in special operations, and I, I thought about what were those characteristics. So I looked at sources like that experience, my own personal experience. I looked at other research operations, uh, research work. Uh, me as a psychologist, I looked at available research work that, that had been done in psychology, certainly about adaptability, et cetera, and then came up with the five you know, core drivers, if you will, of the Agile model. And that then served as, as the point at which we built out you know, assessments, built out developmental programs, et cetera, but primarily, again, focusing in on human behavior and uh, perhaps a little bit uniquely to, to your listening audience, our approach starts with looking uh, externally at the marketplace, looking at what, what a client or potential client is defining as their disruption, their VUCA. What is, uh, what's really rocking their boat? What's, uh, what is disrupting the way that they are operating? Whether it be, as we all currently know, the COVID-19 pandemic or digital disruption or the hybrid work design, what is disrupting the way that they normally go about working and how by, by applying agility at the individual team organizational level, can they do a better job of adapting and thriving in that disruptive world? So we start from the outside first in defining the the VUCA that the organization or the individual leader is experiencing or the team could be a project team uh, is experiencing. So we go from there, from that disruption on into then defining uh, with them, uh, what are the uh, solutions? Uh, how can they build agility into dealing with those disruptions? It's a very collaborative 
uh, process. We don't bring in um, uh, solutions that are off the shelf per se. We work in a very collaborative fashion by creating the kind of data and information, self-assessment work, et cetera, that, that organizations, leaders, and teams can, uh, can use and collaborate uh, within their stakeholder groups solutions to the disruption that's going on. What was the most resistant organization you ever deal with and how did you overcome that resistance? I won't name the name of the organization per se, uh, but the, um, the, the resistance uh, often is, well, uh, usually when you're dealing with that C-level, the C-suite, the, uh, the executives, most of them will nod their heads up and down, say, oh, yes, I'm, we're agile, our organization is agile, et cetera. And they're just going through this process because the board has asked them because they realize that um, agility is, uh, is something that they uh, need to wrap their arms around. And most of them are indicating that they demonstrate agility. And so uh, that's the initial resistance that, that comes up. And again, whether it's an individual leader or whether it's the organization enterprise overall, uh, most would indicate that, well, I wouldn't have gotten to this executive level if I had not been able to demonstrate agility. So what we use is we use data as a way of being able to um, uh, really work with them to understand, well, where are the gaps? Where might there be some gaps? And so for an individual leader, uh, we would use our leadership agility profile, the 360 assessment that we have, and administer that so that they get feedback from their peers and their direct reports and others to then be able to have a dialogue with them about um, where are the gaps. And Susie, you know, as well as I do, that uh, 360 degree assessments really help identify uh, gaps. It may be their, their peers, they're, they're not collaborating with their peers very well, or they're, uh, they think that they are uh, managing uh, the organization effectively, but their direct reports are indicating that, uh, that they're not, and there's some real weak areas. Or at an organizational level, one of the things that we'll do with an organization that is contemplating engaging us is it will offer a briefing, uh, maybe a two to four hour briefing, which is a bit of this, a bit of an overview of what agility is all about. But, but we also include in that a data collection aspect of it. What we want to do is to be able to capture data from their organization through an assessment that captures a sampling of inputs from frontline employees, from supervisors, from managers, from project leaders, from executives, so that in fact, we can build a, a composite report that would reflect where the, the gaps are. And oftentimes the executive team, the leaders will be saying that, yes, we're, we're agile, you know, we've been profitable the last two or three years. And so therefore that, that means that we're agile. And uh, oftentimes in a briefing like this with the data, it may indicate that they are, yes, they're profitable, but, but they're losing a number of their talented employees. They're not engaged, they're not collaborating with them. And so they're not building that 
uh, long-lasting you know, kinds of things. They're, they're making profit primarily by introducing some new products, but that's not enough to truly demonstrate agility. And I'll mention just very quickly the five key drivers that show up in our assessments and our data collection and data gathering that we've been doing over 20 years. And Zuzi, I think you know them, but uh, there are five major ones. And that the first is the capability to anticipate change. And let's think about that in terms of, uh, from a leader perspective, uh, that ability to see trends, patterns, et cetera, and then be able to do some things in a very proactive, preemptive way of dealing with change that's, that's coming at them. So anticipating change is, is the first. The second is generate confidence. And that's not only self-confidence, but how do you generate confidence in your suppliers, your, your direct reports, your peers, et cetera, so that in fact, they're engaged and they're collaborating with you on solutions uh, that you're looking for as an organization. The third is initiate action. And that's about speed, speed primarily of decision-making. So now if you anticipate change, you've got a confident, uh, workforce and suppliers, and you're initiating action about doing something about you know, the disruption that's coming at you, uh, that's a good start, but it also requires the other two aspects of the Agile model, which include liberate thinking. And that's, that's important for leaders to establish that environment, the culture that really encourages thinking outside the box, being innovative, continuous improvement, et cetera. And it's up to leaders to really build that kind of environment that says, we need your best thinking. We, as leaders, can't make all the decisions. In fact, we, we depend on you. Uh, you meet with clients, you meet with suppliers. We need your best thinking and your best ideas so that we can continuously improve as an organization. And the fifth one is evaluate results. That's the metrics, it's the measures, but in addition, it's the day-to-day, week-to-week uh, conversations that leaders are having with their teams about how are they doing? Yeah, so that in fact, they're not waiting until a formal performance review, but there's ongoing dialogue in terms of, okay, we're a little, little off here, let's, let's work together as a mentor to a, a coachee and, and what can we do to get that back in line, turned around, et cetera. So it's all five of these. And, and the title of the book, VUCA Masters, is really about uh, identifying those that, that really have the peak leadership agility fitness in all five of those areas of anticipate change all the way through evaluate results. I was just wondering which one of those is the most difficult for organizations <laughs> to embrace. So if you, I know every organization is different, but if you could yeah. choose one, which one is it? Well, it's research-based actually. And I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, well, well, what do you think it is? What, if you had to guess of the five of anticipate change, generate confidence, et cetera. Liberate thinking. Liberate thinking. That's a good guess. And, and what we have found over the 20 years worth of research is that it's anticipate change. Mm. And, and the reason being, at least this is the understanding, uh, is not only the, the Achilles heel or the weakest area organizationally, but also for leaders uh, that often it's anticipate change 
is the weakest area. And the reason being is that most leaders in most organizations think of themselves as uh, firefighters, that they're really good when change, they're, they're right in the midst of change. Let's take the pandemic as an example, that many organizations um, did not do as good a job as they could have done. Fortunately, some of our clients did better than others at anticipating change and understanding the implications for employees, for the supply chain, et cetera, and it really came out uh, you know, doing some things that were in the right direction. But most organizations and most leaders uh, do more of firefighting. They, they think of themselves as um, they can't, they don't have a crystal ball. They, they can't know what is um, coming necessarily in the future. And so therefore, why even attempt to do that? Let's just respond and react to that. And I would argue that, uh, yes, you're right. We don't have a crystal ball. However, there are tools, techniques, there are approaches like scenario planning and scenario thinking that really allow leaders and organizations to think through what are some potential implications of these trends, these patterns that we see coming at us. Um, I was working with BlackBerry as a client a number of years ago. And at that time, I was advising just that. And I'm afraid to say I was not as successful as I should have been because they weren't anticipating the kind of changes that, that uh, oh, let's say the, the iPhone uh, was, was bringing and, and the way the, the really the, the, the database, the, the architecture of uh, the way, you know, the iPhone was being utilized with all the apps. Uh, BlackBerry was was holding all that in. He said, no, 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 we, we cannot give up the operating system and that's not going to happen. And they went from 40% market share to, you know, I, I think they're somewhere on the radar screen right now, but um, you know that was pretty difficult. So back to your point, anticipating change is the uh, usually the, the weakest area that I'll work with leaders and with organizations on, just as I would in all of the other areas, but really work with them to, to really apply, for example, when they're doing their strategic planning, that implementing scenario thinking and scenario planning into the process is critically important, uh, particularly uh, in these days and times where you have so many kinds of disruptions. Let's pay attention to those and let's look at the potential implications of it. Can you be more specific about those tools, like how to anticipate the change? Like, uh, I know your book goes deeper into those practical things, but can you tell us maybe a story where you help a company to see that? Um, yes, uh, you know, there was a uh, privately held firm uh, that uh, was dealing with some, some challenges uh, that they had and they were in the, the frozen foods uh, marketplace. And uh, one of the things that um, they were wrestling with was an erosion of, uh, of their share of the market. Um, so we, we did something that is referred to as a uh, organizational agility audit, where we actually captured input in terms of their capability as an organization to anticipate change and generate confidence, et cetera. So we really did in one of the, Weak, weaker areas that they had was around anticipating change. So we worked with uh, their internal teams 
Uh, and it became a very collaborative process of doing some scenario thinking and scenario planning, some what if analyses uh, that dealt with people and dealt with who their talent was, if they lost some of their talent, how would they respond and react to that? Uh, do they utilize uh, part-timers as well? How do they pull that kind of talent in if they don't have them immediately available? Also, what kind of technology were they using, et cetera? So it was a way of getting them really, really focused in on uh, applying that, that type of scenario planning, the, the what-if analysis, so that they could have those actions already prepared. Were things to happen throughout the year, they would then be able to adjust and adapt their strategic plan because they'd already thought it through. They'd already thought through, they'd already had their assumptions that they made about their strategy. And they also had been doing the strategic planning, the what if analyses, so that they could adjust and adapt to that without as much disruption as uh, normally happens in, in many organizations. I have my last question here for today. And uh, you've been in agile space for a long time. It changes over the years, right? So where do you see the future of agile? In like, I don't know, 20 years from now, where do you see it heading? You know, I think that, uh, and, and interestingly, I, I, I think I've been observing some somewhat of the shift right now too. And some of what you, I think, Susie, deal with too around more of the human behavior you know, aspects of things. I, I think that Agile and, and, and the whole movement itself is, is really focusing more and more on the human element and, and the human behavior. Uh, not, not forgetting about tools and techniques and Scrum and Kanban and things like that. Those, those are important and, and they are beneficial but when it really comes down to it, it, it is human behavior. And um, that's where the, the real benefits are gonna be, I think, in terms of, of, of even, uh, even trusting the fact that if someone doesn't speak in agile terminology, and uh, there, there, certainly there are plenty of leaders and organizations out there that are not implementing Agile and implementing Agile methodology, et cetera. But in their own minds, they, they think that they are demonstrating agility or they are working on demonstrating agility as an organization. So I think the Agile movement needs to accept that. And, and in fact, that is reality. That is the world in which we live. And how do we embrace that in a way that says, okay, how can we uh, not bring in a whole tool, toolbox of agile methodology tools and say, aha, you wanna implement agility? Here's the toolbox. Let's, let, me, you know, let me dole those out to you and certify you in that, et cetera. Taking a step back as agilist and agile those in, in our world of being able to ask more questions about what is disrupting the organizations? Why, why are you even considering agility? Why is that relevant to you? So it's more of becoming more of a business person in the sense of understanding the business disruption. What is disrupting them? Is it, is it, is it technology? Is it uh, new competitors? Is it 
the kind of uh, teams that they have available? Is it uh, the, the, the talent uh, that's available to them? You know, certainly now with uh, certainly the movement of the hybrid work design, for example, of really disrupting the way work is done, some still at home, some you know, in a facility, some working somewhere in between that. How do we as, as agilists uh, accept that as a given, that that is a disruption to any organization's functioning? And how do we apply our knowledge of agility to that, that change, that disruption that the organization is going through? And I think the better we are able to help organizations through these disruptions that we know that the disruption is not gonna stop with COVID-19. If anything, it's gonna speed up. It's gonna be a greater volume. It's gonna happen faster and faster. So I think our value in the Agile community is just that. It's understanding those disruptions and being able to work with those organizations and identifying the disruptions and what, what the agile aspects, um, and there may be some tools that are applied like Kanban, et cetera, but let's first understand the disruption through the lens of the, the organization and then be able to introduce them uh, to the kinds of behavior changes that are necessary to, uh, to be, be able to deal with that disruption. And some of the tools may be effective in helping you know, do that. So start with the disruption first, understand the human behavior, et cetera. There'll be technology and other aspects that, that are included in that, uh, but then working with them on the processes and the, the people uh, to really deal with effectively to that disruption. But it's, I think it goes even beyond that. It's not just dealing with that one disruption, but, but go in with the, the, uh, your eyes wide open in saying that, that our, our value is in building capability within that organization to deal with future disruptions. It's not just this one disruption, whether it's hybrid or whether hybrid work or whether it's uh, the pandemic, there'll be other disruptions. How do we work with you to build that capability uh, so that in fact, it's not as disruptive as it has been in the past. That's when I think we're going to start being successful and uh, really certainly being accepted more and more by organizations uh, throughout the world. Well, thank you very much for your thoughts. It was very inspirational. Good. You're very welcome. I always get a kick out of our conversations and uh, I know we're very like-minded. So uh, that's uh, it's a joy. In the summary, Use assessment data to help leaders to overcome the gaps. The five key drivers are the capability to anticipate the change, generate competence, initiate action, liberate thinking, and evaluate results. Understanding the disruptions is the key. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shukhova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website 
sokova.com, S-O-C-H-O-V-A.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.